Um, yeah, so I've been privileged to be able to uh, minister a piece of poetry today. Uh, it's titled Abstinence, and it's an empowerment piece about a female who's put in a position where she has to show her devotion to God. And I hope it ministers to you, and I hope you're blessed as you hear it. Abstinence. He had almost never heard of the word, nor could he spell it, nor could he define it. To him, it was a synonym for impossible, which reminded him of difficult, which is another word for hard. Hard for her to gain his acceptance. So you see what she's dealing with when she raises abstinence as a suggestion. She stated the need to be the person her creator created her to be as a reason for creating a barrier to the intimacy between them. He hated it. It's like she raised the height of the cookie jar and kicked the stool away. Ironic, he didn't jump at it. She used to be able to tell him anything on any occasion, but for some reason, telling him that his dirty mind wasn't doing her clean slate any favors was a problem. She keeps having these dreams slash nightmares lately. She's in the labor ward, mom's cussing her and her dad's cussing the baby. Both screaming at their daughter like, how dare you shame me? You know she once jokingly nicknamed their apartment Sin because she lived in it with her boyfriend. All of a sudden, it's not funny when she tried to change things. Because he's got an appetite and she's trying to tame him. Or convince him. She started explaining. He was listening. She said... I don't think it's right that we're like this. You see, God created us in his likeness. My urges are a struggle, but I'm willing to fight this. I want to live a life that's righteous. And my parents turned up again in my dreams last night too. And he replied, yeah, but Nigerians are everywhere. Don't let it surprise you. Comedy is not the genre of this convo, she said. I've got to be holy and acceptable. My love hasn't diminished. I just can't have sex with you. we got to set limits. While she was walking faithfully, he was sending texts around like, ah, oh, she at night vigil, come stay with me. Now she was able to see clear. Once she took the intimacy away, he wasn't willing to be there. She got rid of him. The hard part is ignoring him. All she has to do is just refrain from calling him. In her abstinence, she feels his abstinence and starts to think about him. But just when she starts to believe she can't live without him, she remembers. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him. I guess that means we have to know him. And don't get me wrong, this poem, it's a non-judgmental piece. But I just want to highlight that Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 implies that knowing him is a fundamental piece to achieving abstinence. See, her man had almost never heard of the word. That's why abstinence was a synonym for impossible. 
But by knowing him, we would know that we can overcome obstacles as we strive to live in his divine nature. Because all Christians want to be like Christ, right? And it's not just this. There's a lot of things out there that can hinder our walk with God. But look at the bigger picture. You get to walk with God. So if there's anyone battling with abstaining, don't focus on what you're missing out on. Focus on what you're gaining. Amen. God bless. Amen. Was anyone blessed by that? A show of hands. How many of you were blessed by that? That was amazing. Even I started thinking about rhymes in my head and I failed woefully. But it was okay. Um, the next speaker is going to be our very own Dickin. Um, can I call Dickin Zach up? It won't be a poem, unfortunately. I'm not that way inclined, but that was an amazing poem, Brother Sergi. God continue to bless your ministry. Um, I'm going to be talking today about the importance of purity and the heart behind your intention. Before I start, um, I'd just like us to pray. You please bow your heads. Father Lord, I just give you honor, praise and adoration and I thank you for the opportunity to speak. I pray Lord for the God that you speak. I pray Lord God that your words flow and that every word that is spoken Lord God on this altar will come directly from your throne room of grace. Let it be none of me and let it be all of you. I ask Lord for the God that the words that are spoken Lord for the God will pierce the heart of man and cause us to make decisions Lord God that are in line with your scripture. Pray for our guidance, leadership, and understanding, Lord, for the God. And we pray against every attack of the enemy to distract us and hinder us, Father. We ask, Lord, for the God, that you enable us, Lord God, to stay focused on you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. It never gets easier standing here. No matter how many times you do it, I don't even... I don't feel comfortable, but I probably, that's probably a good thing. Um, as I said before, I'm... Here to talk about the importance of purity. Now, obviously, the the theme of our convention is "I am devoted," and the main scripture comes from First Corinthians. Actually, Corinthians, First Chronicles. <laughs> it's a great start. Good stuff. Um, Actually, instead of me saying it, can somebody shout out where the, 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 the scripture comes from? Good stuff. Okay. Um, but obviously, I'm here to talk about the importance of purity and the heart behind you, every intention. So the aim of why I'm here is to, to look at the influences and the ideas that form our thoughts which turn which in turn sorry inform our decisions and ultimately the the actions that we take or simply put I'm just basically going to look at why we do the things we do whether it be in God in life or in everything why we do the things we do in Psalm 24 uh, 
from verse 3. Can I have Psalm 24, verse 3 and 4, please? This is a scripture that we say at the beginning of every service. Probably drink some water because last time I did that, people told me that I was making this noise for the whole time. Who remembers? <laughs> I hope I'm allowed. I'm just going to take a quick. I know this is being recorded, so I don't want to make the same mistake twice. Okay, so it says, (laughs) Who may ascend the hill of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his heart, his soul to to an idol or swear by what is false. The key word of that is a pure heart, clean hands and a pure heart. It's a, it's a common prayer, it's a common, it's a, it's a common request. Grant me clean hands and a pure heart that I may ascend to your place, that I may reach a place where I'm closer to you. This scripture infers that you can't get to where God is unless you have clean hands and a pure heart. So what does it mean to have a pure heart, especially focusing on that? So let's break down the word pure. So looking at the word pure, pure means... Freedom of adulteration or contamination. Freedom from immorality, especially of a sexual nature. That's just taken from the dictionary. Synonyms for the word pure are clean, virtuous, uh, moral, good, righteous, saintly, saintly, honorable, honest, integral, uh, integrity, sorry, um, uprightness and decency. Now, understanding what it means to be pure... The word heart, how does that play its, its part in, in that scripture? Okay, now the heart is something that is referred to in, in various verses in the Bible. And obviously we know the heart is an actual physical thing. It pumps blood around our body. But God uses it to symbolize the place where your essence is, your being is, your decisions are made, your thoughts are formulated. It's probably more closer akin to your brain. But God doesn't necessarily refer that much to the actual brain in the scripture, but he refers to the heart. So you couldn't understand the similarities. What, what I'm basically saying is God shows his desire for the heart of man. And this is because the heart is the control center of man. Therefore, if you have a man's heart, you can basically make him do whatever you want him to do. Um, You can make him or influence him to do good things, and you can influence him to do bad things. And that's the, the eternal struggle that we face as Christians and as people. And that's that's the battle that we're facing. We have on one hand things of this world that are trying to entice us and take us away from the things of God. And we have the things of God that are trying to draw us near, nearer to him. God knows that there are, in the world that, that, that we live in, there are, there are many influences vying for your attention. These are sent by the enemy to contest with your heart for God. It says in 1 John 5.19, we know that we are children of God. That's 1 John 5.19. It says, yes, we know that we are children of God. 
and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know that outside there, and we were talking in the, in the, in the real talk session we had with the guys, we know that in life, there are many things that are looking to take our focus away. Video games, whether it, whether it be um, cinema or film or TV programs, or all of these things are, can be used for good things as well. Don't get me wrong, but they can easily be used by the enemy to distract and take you away from the good things that you could be doing to add value to your life. His aim, the, the devil's aim, the evil one, as spoken about in that scripture his aim is to kill to steal and to destroy but jesus jesus came jesus came to give life and in fact jesus sole objective was to reunite the heart of man to the heart of god once again we're talking about the heart the scripture says if you believe in your heart which is a decision and you confess with your mouth which is an action the result is salvation. You are saved. It begins with your heart. And that shows the importance of the heart. So when the scripture says to ascend the hill of the Lord, you need a pure heart. What he's talking about is a heart that is free of contamination, adulteration. A heart that is free of um, anything that can hinder. And a heart that is that is focused and longing for God. That's what God is looking for. He's looking for a pure heart. And those with a pure heart come closer to God because it says in Matthew 5 verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now that's key. In order for a man to see God, he needs to be pure in heart. And that's the most important thing. Your heart is your decision center. Your heart is the place where you make decisions. Your heart is the place where you devise your thoughts. And that's the reason why I asked you to, to shout out what that scripture was, because it mentions it, and we're going to talk about it later. But that scripture says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And I, I don't know about anybody else, but I'd love to see God. Jesus, an angel. I'd love to be close enough to be where he is, to see heaven, to see some of the things that Apostle has seen and some of the things that many of you guys have spoken about in your testimonies, where you've had revelations and visions of, of heaven. Now, this, once again, the principal scripture is 1 Corinthians 28 from verse 9. And it says, can I have it up on the board, please? Corinthians. That's the reason why they were confused. Keep on saying Cron. Okay, we got it. Okay. So that was my fault, guys. Don't worry about that. Okay. And you, my son, Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every motive behind the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you. The part I want to focus on, obviously, is the Lord searches 
every heart and understand every motive behind the thoughts. In the scripture, a bit further off in verse 2 and 3, it spoke about King David. Now, many of us know about King David, how he was used by God um, to win many battles and, and to do various amazing things. But that verse 2 and 3, can we go to verse 2 and 3 of the same chapter? It speaks about something that happened to, to David that caused him a bit of pain. King David rose to his feet and said, listen to me, my brothers and my people. I had it in my heart to build a house as a place of rest for the Ark of Covenant of the Lord for the footstool of our God and I had made plans to build it but God said to me you are not to build a house for my name because you are a warrior and you have shed blood now many of you will think but that was his job that was what he was meant to do but if you read the scripture you understand that in certain times David made mistakes where he caused the killing of people outside of what God had told him to do. And because of those decisions made in the flesh, he wasn't able to do his heart desire. He wasn't able to give God a resting place. That's what he wanted to do. That's all he wanted to do. He had devised the plans in his heart. God gave him the structure. God gave him everything. But the last bit, he fell down. But this was, it wasn't the end. He realized in himself that he wasn't the one that God had chosen. But in his son, there was somebody that God could use to bring to fulfillment the destiny that God had written. His son Solomon was able to manifest because of his heart. His heart was displayed in Second Chronicles from verse 1, where he faced God and God asked him, Does that, what do you want? What do you need? I can give you anything. And if God was to ask you that same question, many of you would say various different wonderful things. Give me a new house. Give me a car. Give me um, the ability to, I don't know, like make money like that or something. I don't know. Like, or to get a hundred lakhs and on Facebook or Instagram, like, even with pictures of my toe, just anything, like. <laughs> but, obviously, Solomon didn't have the distraction of social media in his time, so he couldn't think of that. Um, Solomon said something different. Solomon basically said, and his mindset was, I've been placed in a position of authority, and I'm here standing on behalf of my God and my people. But I understand that these people need godly instruction. They need direction from God. And as a young man, I don't know if I'm experienced enough to give them what they need to be fruitful as a country, to be fruitful as a people. So he pleaded with God. He asked God, give me wisdom that I may govern your people. His heart wasn't for himself. His heart 
was pure in seeking guidance for his people. He realized that God is the same God that put him in that position. Therefore, if I apply to the same God that put me in the position for the wisdom to govern those people, those people will thrive and they'll be successful. God saw this, and in Second Chronicles first, from verse 7, you don't necessarily have to go there, but basically, God gave him the wisdom, and God then said to him, you had the opportunity to ask me for anything, and you asked me for this, and because you've asked me for this, I'm going to give you everything, and I'm going to make you the most talked about king that's ever been in this world. And you know what that says to me? That says to me that if you approach God with a pure heart, and you put other people before yourself, that he'll put you above everything. He'll make you sought after. He'll make you the head and not the tail. He'll put you on top and not beneath. He'll make you the lender and not the borrower, the ruler and not the subject. This is what this scripture says to me. When I was asked to do this, I just was racking my brain. Purity, purity, what should I say? How should I come about it? And the truth of the matter is, I I ask myself, when I come to church and when I pray and when I do, why am I doing it? Why do I do these things? Why do, is it because of habit? Is it because if I don't do it, um, I'll get in trouble? Is it because of status? Is it, why do, why do we do the things we do? What are we seeking from it? And I had to question myself, and I think it would be a great opportunity for you guys to ask yourselves. A lot of you have come here, it's a Thursday. This place should probably be filled to the outside, but obviously it's not, and there's a reason for that. Some people decide to do what they do, and, and, and that's absolutely fine. But when there's an opportunity to be with your maker, why would you choose to not be there? Just ask yourselves the question. Having a pure heart and having um, clean hands or, or whatever you want to say, it's evident through your actions. It's evident through the things that you do. Just as Solomon, when given an opportunity, he could have chosen, chosen the, uh, the downfall of his enemies, as the scripture says. And they had many enemies. But instead of focusing on the negative, he looked at the positive. I want to be more like you, God. I want to be a true leader to these people. Now we have the opportunity in this country to be leaders. We have the opportunity to be rulers because God has created us to do so. But without purity of heart and a yearning to be closer to him, when put in positions, you'll crumble and you'll fail and you'll fall short, similar to how David did. You may take advantage of the position that you've been given. And many people have seen it in the world and on TV and even in churches. People take advantage of the opportunities or the positions and the the authority that they're given. But God gave this young man authority and he used it. And his whole heart was to bless his people and to guide his people. So I continue to ask myself, why? Why? And I feel like In this convention, we need to call ourselves to understanding 
I've seen it from all aspects. I've seen it from the just coming here and being a part of what's going on and the organizing. And I've really come to realize that, you know what? There's, there, there's, there's a blessing in those that serve and there's a blessing that those that put people before themselves and there's a blessing in those that really, that really strive and suffer to make things like this available to all of you guys. Those people are showing through their actions on a monthly basis that their heart is for you as opposed for themselves. Some people have taken off from work and... Um, decided to not get paid just to be here to bless and to, to impart and to share. It's, it's eye-opening and it's challenging. What are you doing? How have you contributed to the youth in Christ with Tabernacle, those that had been here, not those that have just recently joined, how have you contributed? What are you doing? Not only in the youth body, but in the church as a whole, in your families, in everything. How are you contributing? Where is your heart? Is it for yourself? Is it for your work? Is it, for, is it just for the things that you want to do? Or are you putting other people before you? Because the scripture clearly shows when you put other people first and you seek to be better so that they can be better. And you seek to lower yourselves so that they can be raised. God will do amazing things in your life. So I just want you guys to take one moment to speak to God and to say to him, you know what, if I've been taking the time that I could be getting closer to him, and focusing on doing great things for the body of God. I've been using that to do just things for myself. Just say to him, you know what? I'm sorry and I understand that I have a part to play in this house. I have a part to play in my family. I have a part to play. And I can affect change and I can, I can make the situation better. If I choose to. If I want to. And let's ask God for the strength because it's not easy to continually do these things. And let's thank him because we know that with him all things are possible and through him we can do all things. And things that once were in our lives can change. Anybody that comes into a place like this is coming to experience God. They're coming because they have a yearning for him and I and I, and I thank all of you that are here because you are hearing what God has for you. God wants you to be involved. God wants you to take part. He doesn't want you to seclude yourselves. He doesn't want you to go away and, and act um, separate. He wants us all together. He wants us bonded and unified. He wants us working as one body with the same heart and the same mind, with the same focus, unified in God, unified in Christ, moving towards the same goal to achieve. And only in that will we see the true manifestation of this scripture, the true manifestation of who we want to be as people. God sees our hearts. Let's show him the best heart 
Let's give him the best. He sees our motives. Let's change our motives. Let's make our motives about us and less about you. Less about me. King of kings, Father, I just thank you for your grace. I thank you, Father, for your mercy. I thank you, Father, for your word. I thank you, Father, for your guidance and your leadership. I pray, Lord, for the God for each and every one of us. I pray, Lord, for the God that in this season you enable us, Lord, for the God to seek you out of a pure heart. Not seeking our own end, but, Father, thinking of all of us. Thinking of the body. Thinking of the group, the community. Father, enable us, Lord, for the God, just as Solomon did in this scripture, to seek not our own, but everybody. We ask, Lord God, in the mighty name of Jesus, that you strengthen us, because we know it's hard to give and to give and to give, but we know in you we can never outgive. We know, Lord God, that if we continue to sow those seeds, we will reap that harvest. King of kings, we exalt and magnify your name and we thank you, Father, for all that you have done and all that you're doing. And we know, Lord, for the God, that this is the beginning of an amazing journey that we're on. Thank you, Father, Lord God, for the opportunity to be here right now. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Put your, put your hands together for Professor Zach. Can you get my gain down, please? All right, get it quick. Let the person who knows about us stop go there now, not that person there. All right, please bring it down. Mm-hmm. Amen. Down a little bit more. Amen. Do the youth choir have an anthem before I speak? All right, let's welcome the youth choir, please. I'm very proud of you. Every one of you. Because... Satan would not be happy that he didn't get everybody. You are not one of those who make the devil happy. Anybody who doesn't make the devil happy, make God very happy. What I want to discuss with you is very brief, because I'm, con- I'm conscious of the fact that you have been... Uh, at various meetings since morning. But I want to thank God for the quality of words I'm hearing from those of you who were assigned to minister. Uh, it gives me confidence that I'm on the right track. If there is something that I had again and again, God was speaking through you, is the heart of a believer. I can summarize all what God is saying through you. 
Because I listen to you very well before I come to teach. I told you yesterday I was going to teach you about some people that got called and God used them and they fell. Till their death, they were still used of God or by God. But I think I will do that tomorrow because tomorrow is power nights and then we're going to have impartation. But um, today, what you are dealing with is the heart behind every motive. The heart of a believer. The reason why many people profess to be Christians, but in manifestation and experience and encounter, they are very far away from God. They don't even feel God at all. Because they, all what they do have become like a norm, like a normal practice. And people like that in Christendom will soon fall a victim of new people getting born again, very excited, and go, 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 go. And you begin to see manifestations of the Spirit of God upon them. But the intention of God the Father is that everyone who had believed in him will progress in him to become like his son, Jesus Christ. You remember the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 29. Shall we look at that again together? Shall we read it together on the board? Let's read it again, every one of us then. Not everybody is reading it. Let everybody look up and let's read that scripture together. So, once you are born again, God's intention for you and I is to become like Jesus. That is the first thing. But what made Jesus what Jesus was or not? His mindset. To become like Jesus is to change the pattern of your reasoning and thinking. Look at the book of Philippians chapter 2. Verse 4. Shall we read it together? Alright. Razak said, when whatever capacity you are serving or whatever you are doing in God's house, it is your mindset that matters before God. What is your motive? Okay? And Paul, in wanting to talk about Jesus here, and us, he began by saying, each one of you should, should look not only on your own interests, but also the interests of others. If you can develop your mind to have a heart, for others, God will bless you with every gift that is written in the Bible. You know, the, the key to operating the nine gifts of the scriptures is found in 1 Corinthians 14.1. Don't go there now. It's covetousness. And for God to give you a healing gift, 
You must be somebody who has compassion on the sick. Who, your compassion for the sick has driven you to the fact that people are sick in church, you want to go there and pray with them. If you hear that anybody is sick, you don't like it. You carry the burden of the sick. When God sees that you have such a burden and you have shown such care passionately from your spirit, then God gives you the gift. Because if you have the gift, you will not waste it. I will show you something at the conclusion of my discussion today. The way up with God is the way down. For you to go high in God, it is determined by how low you can serve. That's the reason why an arrogant man will never receive any gift from God. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, that Jesus descended to the lowest region, and he who descended to the lowest region ascended to the highest place. Jesus said also in the gospel, if you want to be the head of everyone, you must be the servant of all. Because the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve. And I think God is speaking to you now that every one of us, both young and old, must examine the motive in our hearts. If you are in the choir, what is your motive? If you are an instrumentalist, what is your motive? If you are an usher, what is your motive? If you are a Johanna, what is your motive? If you operate in any place in church, what is your motive? But let me say this to you. This is what you must adopt. Anybody who has an opportunity to serve in God's house, count yourself privileged. Are we together now? Nobody among you should think you are indispensable because what you are doing, some have done it before you and some will do it after you. If anybody comes to the house of God with an attitude of not being indispensable, what God does is that God removes them from office and God replaces them with better people. And that is not just a matter of service. It begins from the minister to those who usher, to those who play instruments, to those who sing, to those who record, to those who are Johannes. Anything that God has assigned you to do in the church the moment your motive changes, God changes gear. Because if you look at the scripture you read, verse 20, 20, uh, the chapter 28, the verse 9 of that chapter of First Chronicles. I want us to read it again. You read that scripture? The Solomon that you read about, I showed you yesterday, unfortunately, God rejected him at the end of his life. With all the splendor, with all the blessing, with all the grace. So why, why his motive was right, God was faithful and he blessed him. But God has warned him. With God, if you allow what I make you to get into your head, I'll take you out. God can never put up with pride. Never. 
God gives grace only to the humble. And every one of you who have gotten a particular grace, you got it because you were humble. But the moment you allow that grace to get into your heart, if your attitude changes, your motive changes, God switch off. There was a man in the Bible called Saul. He was the first king before David. The Bible tells us about Saul that Saul was the meekest, but he was the most impressionist. He was taller, head, shoulder higher than everybody. The tallest man in Israel will get to his shoulder. Very lanky man. But the spirit in him is so weak. Very, very, you know, weak person. He doesn't have self-confidence. Though he has a physical build. And when the Lord appointed him as king, he ran and he hid himself in rubbish. And the prophet said, go get him, that's where he is. They brought him, the prophet lay hands on him. Now I want you to listen attentively to me. When the prophet lay hands on him, you know, Saul said, I'm not worthy of this. I'm not worthy of this. You see, that is humility. But if you read chapter 15, the Bible tells us that, First Samuel, after Saul became powerful, okay, God told Samuel to tell him, go destroy Amalekites, everybody. And when he got there, first of all, before destroying Amalekites, there was a battle to be fought. And then Samuel was late. Because Samuel was to do a sacrifice before the battle, he was late. And Saul decided to do the duty of Samuel. And he just said, give me the effort. That is disobeying hierarchy. You know, as you all are, you have hierarchies among you. You must not disobey anybody God had pleased over you. What has brought success today, from what I, 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 when Brad Zach was speaking, he spoke about that. This, your program has been highly successful because nobody broke ranks. Everybody worked according to what he has been instructed. God is a very jealous God. And when Saul decided to do the duty of Samuel. And Samuel got there. Just immediately after he fulfilled the function, Samuel appeared. He said, why did you do that? He said, because you were too late. And the people began to scatter. So I wanted to remedy the situation. And God rejected him as a king from that day. If you read more about Saul... God took the kingdom from him and gave the kingdom to David. If you read the life of David, David made many mistakes. But something about David is that whenever he made mistakes, he would humble himself and he would cry. He would tell the whole nation, I have messed up. He will leave his throne. He will not say that I am the king. He will sit down in ashes until God forgave. And if you look at David, therefore, through the life of David, he knew no defeat until the end of David. So, and that was why David told his son that, look, I have walked with this God and I plead with you. This is who he is. If your motive is right, he blesses you. If you allow the blessing or the office or the position or the skill 
to get into your head, he will reject you. God does not have midway. He doesn't patch people up. And you need to know, every one of you, I believe God is calling you to this understanding. You want to be very used by God, be the servant of all. If you go back, therefore, to that Philippians 2, that is the reason why Philippians 2, the next verse, you read 4 before, 5, gave us the recipe. It says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Our attitude must change forever. Somebody say amen. If there is anything God challenges in you, attitude must change forever. I will tell you that your attitude can be built by, it's always built by either yourself, environment, what you hear, the association you flock with. Watch the things you hear. If anybody says he's your friend and he tells you things that will cause you to rebel against God or his authority, rebuke him right there. That is the remedy. Do not allow yourself to be influenced by a wrong attitude. If somebody displays a wrong attitude, everybody must attack that person there and rebuke him sharply. Don't shun bad attitude because to shun it is acceptance. Our attitude must be like that of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, what about the attitude? Who being in very nature? God. That is the privilege. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He did not abuse his office. He did not abuse his office. Then he says, But made himself nothing. Though God, but he made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness. Listen to this. He was totally relegated. He relegated himself. Emptied himself completely of everything he is. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. Even death on a cross. Humility. Attitude of humility. Do you know something? Humility also works with reverence. A humble person cannot be a rough person. A humble person is always a reverent person. And if you are humble, the words that come out of your mouth cannot be provocative. It will be salted. And a humble person gets favor from everybody. Humility is easily identifiable because humility is not rude. Humility is to be humble. You know, I was telling you a few days ago, I think on Monday, that you must respect those who are older than you. Are we talking? If somebody is older than you and you are talking to them, don't talk to them as if you are senior to them. They are older. You must respect them. Same thing if somebody is appointed to be a leader among you. Everybody must respect that leader. 
If you disrespect old age, you rebel against the God who set the hierarchy. If you disrespect an authority appointed over you, you disrespect the person who appointed the authority, you will fall under the sword of the ruler. That is what the Bible says. What does humility give? Humility is a virtue that sometimes men may ignore. But it has a reward from God. Because Jesus was so humble, verse 9 applies, it says, Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. Come on now. And gave him the name that is above all names. But Jesus attended by being the most humble. By being the most servant. You know, Do you want to be honored by God? That is the way. I told you that I was investigating Jesus. Isn't it? Now, my discoveries about Jesus is what I begin to share with you. I investigated his attitude. I investigated his relationship. I investigated the life of Jesus Christ. How did he reply to those who accused him? How does he reply when people provoke him? How does he behave? <coughs> what really provokes Jesus Christ? And I recognize that insult doesn't provoke him. That's the reason why when they hailed insult on him on the cross, he said, Father, what? Forgive them. I recognize that abuse does not provoke Jesus. When they abuse Jesus, at the end of the abuse, what Jesus say? Father, forgive them. I recognize that cheating does not provoke Jesus. When they cheated him and they beat him, he had the power to call angels and fight for him. But he refused to use the power. I recognize that even sometime, his brother insulted him in John chapter 6. They told him that if you are the Christ, why don't you go now and show yourself in Jerusalem? They despised him, his brothers. Jesus never was. He wasn't angry. It doesn't pain him when you despise him. It doesn't pain him when you are rude to him. It doesn't pain him when you dishonor him. Humility I'm talking about. Why doesn't it pain Jesus? Because what you say about him does not form who he is. The opinion of people does not form who you are. So why should you be angry because someone does not respect you or someone does not recognize you or someone talks you down? Forget it. God is going to reward everybody. God will reward everybody. A young man came to me among you two days ago. He said, Apostle, I want to ask you, you are friendly with everybody. How can you achieve that? You know, in a, in a place of multitude of people, you will have people that you cannot befriend. Isn't he saying, am I saying something? There are pigs in the church. Hallelujah. There are goats in the church. Amen. There are thorns in the church. Isn't it? Oh. And there are weeds in the church. There are sheep in the church. There are wolves in the church. Lions in the church. 
who are used to eating meat. And you have to train them to eat grass. It's not easy for them to change. They may be 10 years in the church. They may be 20 years in the church. They may be 100 years in the church. But yet, to change a lion meat eater to grass eater, it takes a long time sometimes. You know what Jesus said? What about the goats? He said, leave them alone. What about the sheep? Don't talk about them. Leave them alone. What about the thorns? He said, let them grow together. Oh God, this is, this is serious. Of course it is serious. How do you deal with people of various understanding in the spiritual? People who will appreciate you. People who will provoke you deliberately. People who will insult you. And when others are around, they will pretend as if they respect you. It happened to you before. Come on now. When, people, when, when you are alone with them, they will snub you. They will be rude to you. But when they see people, they will start smiling as if they really love you. Isn't it? How could you give such a person a smile who just was just rude to you in the corner and because other people are there, he's trying to behave as if he's, 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 he's a good person, nice person. How do you react with them? Do you know what I answered him? How Jesus will handle it. What did Jesus do? He ignored it. He ignored their bad character. If somebody was rude to me in the corner there, and we came out here because he saw people, he's now saying, yeah, apostle, yeah, bless you. I will say, bless you too, brother. Bless you too, you look so good. He's just been rude to me, you know. Am I fake? No. Because his rudeness is intangible. It's, it's, it's insignificant. That rudeness, there, was a, there is somebody there who saw it and is God. He will serve him right. His rudeness must be, you know, you know, discredit me. It shouldn't make me because it's not your validation that made me initially. I found out that Jesus was not angry with those who insulted him. So do not let the insult of a man anger you. Jesus says, the Bible says in Isaiah, worms will eat their mouths. When people are supposed to honor you, if they disrespect you, don't worry. Just brush over as nothing happened. The reason why the devil turned people against you is to get you to sin. They have already sinned. He has gotten them. But if some, one person sinned among three people, it's still okay. Then the three of them are dragged into the sin. Listen, therefore, set your eyes on Jesus Christ. You know, when his brothers were taunting him, you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, well, brothers... I'm not going to Jerusalem now. You will see me when I go there. But now, it says, you, for you guys, every time is okay. But for me, I walk by what the Father says. He wasn't angry. Even James, who wrote the book of James, was his next brother, who was among those who were telling him that if you are called by God, you, you claim to be son of God. All of us are sons of Joseph. You claim the son of God. Then go and show your flex your muscle. He was one of them. But yet, Jesus took him when he woke up and became matured. <laughs> Jesus took him along to destiny. I'm saying, talking to two sides of the coin. Don't be a victim. Don't be a person that will be rude to others. That will dishonor others. That will backbite others. 
that will incite hatred among brethren. Don't be that. Honor one another. But what about if you are the victim of abuse, of disrespect, of dishonor, what do you do? Ignore it. The Lord saw, saw everything. And I told that young man, that is how Apostle Williams is happy with everybody. Hallelujah. If you do something wrong, I will call you and tell you. If you argue with me, I'll leave you. Because why, why do you think you can convince a person who does not accept correction? Can you ever convince him? So what do you do then? You let him go. Hallelujah, somebody. We are talking about your mindset. Satan is after the mind of a believer to shipwreck him. I have just 10 minutes more. Let me show you a few more things. We are talking about remedy. I've been talking about attitudes. That your attitude has to change and become like that of Jesus Christ. And someone may be saying in his mind that, but Apostle, you know, I have a problem with my attitude. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. How can I change? I want to change. The first thing I will tell you is Romans chapter 12. Change who you present your body to. It says, therefore, uh, 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 I beseech you, therefore, brethren, 12.1 of Romans, that you present what? Come on now. Shall we read it together? First thing you need to do is to change who you offer your body to. Come on now, look at me. Whoever you offer your body to determines who rules your body. Look. If you offer your body to lust and immorality, Satan will, will rule over your body. Demons will oppress you. It's a matter of time. They will catch up with you. If you offer your body to evil thoughts, you always live a life of regret. For the result of every evil thought brings regret. I will talk to you. I'll help you understand how that can practically be overcome. But the first thing is that you must make up your decision that Satan ain't going to get my body anymore. Satan will never get my body. I will not say yes to anything that will mutilate my body, that will destroy my body, that will, that will degrade my body. My body is mine. I'm not going to give it to anybody except something that will glorify my body. So that whatever is lovely, whatever is a good report, whatever will glorify you, that's what you allow your body to, to have. What about the issue of tattoo? Come on. What sense is in a man deliberately Subjecting his body to pain for the glory of the world. That is Lucifer. Such a person is being oppressed by demons. What about some who pierce the whole of their nose and their lips and stuff? They are just oppressed by demons. Because you don't need to be like that to be accepted in the society. Really? 
Your being like that will make society resist you. Really, your appearing like that will make society to hate you. You will attract more hatred from people than you attract love. Because those who belong to that sect are very few. Why should a Christian preserve his body? 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 18 and 19. Let's look at that quickly. The person on the, on the, on the projector, please, I want the senior person to take over from that place. Wherever I'm ministering, whoever handles anything must be the experts in it. Because I, want, I, want, I don't want anything to hinder my flow. 1 Corinthians 6. I want us to read it from the board. Verse 18. Shall we read it together? Hey, you are not reading it. Read it again. So how do you say no to sexual analogy? You run for your life. You run for your life. You don't sit there and be saying that you are praying. Praying for what? Run for your life. Flee, 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 flee. It is the easiest way for evil spirit to enter into your body. And if you commit it and they enter into your body, they can remain there for 15 years or 20 years before they will manifest and destroy everything you built. Just like that. Just like that. Flee from sexual immorality. I think some things are coming to my brain. Then the second one says, it says there, all, so I would continue to read it. Uh-huh. Did you hear that? All other sins that a man commits is outside his body. But the sin of sexual morality is to the body. And then what did he say in the next verse? Shall we read it together? Uh-huh. You see what the Bible is saying is this. Well, if I take my body to the place of sexual morality, Holy Spirit is in my body and I'm taking him to where he hates. And he'll be doing everything to try to, to make my mind unsettled. My body unsettled. He will speak in various forms to me. You cannot do that. You cannot do that. Why? I am here. I am here. But because he does not force his will against us. You can imagine, the moment you take your body into it, he gets out of you. Because he cannot be involved in such. Unclean thing cannot be introduced to God. As at the time, if you die right in the act, you are going to hell immediately. Without remedy. Because God had departed from you. God hates it. He said, if you destroy my body, I will destroy you on the last days. What about the consequence to man? Look at what the Bible says here. Very quickly, Proverbs chapter 7. I think this is what God wants to deal with today. Look at verse 7. 
It says, I saw among the, among the simple, I noticed among the young men a youth who lacked judgment. Have you got it there? He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house. <clears throat> At twilight, as the day was fading, and the dark of the night setting, then out come, came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. You know that's the reason why I said to Christians, women don't dress like a prostitute. I mean, we know how prostitutes look. If a Christian looks like a prostitute and says that it is grace, I tell you that <laughs> if the trumpet sounds, you will not go. Because the Bible says, talks about the way prostitutes dress. Their dressing is informed by the spirit that lives in them. And the spirit that lives in prostitutes is the evil spirit of prostitution. And Christians cannot copy the product of evil spirit and think that is adorable for the Holy God. Look at what it says here. It says she is loud and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. If you see any girl like that, she's a prostitute. The spirit of prostitution is in them already. Now in the streets, now in the square, at every corner she locks, looking for men. She took hold of him, of the man, and kissed the young man. And with a brazen face, she said, I have fellowship offering at home. Today I fulfill my vows, so I came out to meet you. I look for you and have found you. I have covered my bed with colored linen from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloe, and cinnamon. Come, let us drink of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took his paws, filled with money, and will not be home till full moon. With persuasive words, she led him what? She led him what? She led him what? She seduced him with her smooth talk. Let's read verse 22 together. A man that follows a woman like that, you are like an ox going to the slaughter. You know when they want to slaughter the ox, they lead them. In some regions of the world, they put rope on their neck and, and they keep dragging them. And never, they did not know they are taking them to the slaughterhouse until they are surrounded by the smell of blood of their own kind. Like an ox to be slaughtered. Like a deer stepping into the noose. That is a trap. A deer steps into the noose. The noose catches the, the deer and is finished. He will never get out of it. Man killed that deer. He says in verse 23, Till an arrow pierces his liver. The Bible talks about through sexual intercourse, an arrow can pierce the liver. We understand that appetite is big and come by, by sexual intercourse. Doctor? Doctor Summer, yes? Yes. The woman that can give you hepatitis B, she is not, is not painted on her face. The man that has caught it, 
does not carry it in his face. It will look neat and look good. And you who say you go to church, Satan will be pumping you to get involved. Pumping you to get involved. Somebody who has venereal disease, they look bright and beautiful and handsome. Smooth. And smooth tongue. For those of them who are not born again, who are reckless, they have become a tool in the hands of Satan. Who are they looking for? Those who call themselves children of light. So that Satan can afflict you. Because once you get into it, God cannot protect you any longer. Then you become disposed to the devil. And when the devil afflicts you with that, for years you may be praying. That becomes something you know secretly. And a good number of Christians have become victims of it. Which has hindered them from enjoying the full peace from God. Listen to me. Have nothing to do with them. He said, an arrow pierced their liver, like a bird darting into a, a snare. Little knowing it, it will cost them his life. Now then, my son, listen to me, says the Lord. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her path. Many are the victims she has brought down, has slain a mighty tongue. Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. Flee from sexual immorality. How can you conquer lust or sexual immorality? Look at Romans 8.5. Sexual morality comes from lust, disobedience, you know, quarreling, hatred, and all stuff. All the things of the flesh that can war in the spirit of man. How can you, what practical step can you take? It says here, shall we read it together, Romans 8.5. Change your mindset. Come on. If you change your mindset, you will change your company of friends. Christian kids must stand out anywhere they are that people know all around you you are born again. You are announcing to them that I'm a born again Christian protects you from their inviting you to nonsense. Because you identify with Jesus Christ, Satan cannot empower you, you see, like he will empower them. So if you follow them, you become a victim instantly. I have ministered to a good number of people in various continents. In America, I've seen them. In Europe, I've seen them. In Nigeria, Africa, I've seen them. Cameroon, and the rest of it. They contacted AIDS by one contact. I've ministered to a good number of girls who are virgins. And this set of girls who are virgins that I meet in various countries contacted it through a born-again so-called Christian man. 
If somebody is born again and is a man, if he, if he approaches you, a girl, and tells you that he wants to have sex with you, you should know that he's not born again at all. He's trying to be. Because you do not know how many people he had slept with. And you who have been keeping your virginity, obeying God, obeying the word of God, we give it up once. And about 10 years time, syphilis manifests. Syphilis does not manifest immediately. It, it incubates for a long time. When syphilis manifests, there is no cure to it. It eats up the nose, eats up the eyes. We have ministered to people who had that. Some wake up one day, never knew they have AIDS, but suddenly something happened, they went to the hospital years after, and then they had it. If you are slept with more than a man, one, two, three men, how do you know who, who did you get it from? Why should a, a girl allow her virginity to be spewed to the floor by a useless boy who immediately after doing it, he kicks you off? And that's what has happened to all those girls. Oh, he promised he will marry me. The moment they sleep with them, they kick them away and they become smelling to them. A Christian girl must keep herself seriously. And you must protect one another. Same thing a Christian, the Christian boys should protect one another. Oh, we go to the same church doesn't mean that both of you want to go to heaven. Church, I told you, it has several people coming. All manners of people come to church. Rebellious people come to church. People who want to go to heaven come to church. Those who are already in hell and they don't want to leave hell, they come to church. It does not matter what position a person is as a Christian. If he entices you with sin, Rebuke it instantly before that person. Don't shy away from a person who wants to set you to hell. Tell him to his face, I am not for that. I do not expect that from you and I'm going to report to you. Report to your leader immediately. Even if he says, I'm sorry, report to your leader and tell your leader he said he's sorry. That will save you. Those who set their mind on this sinful nature, they live according to it. If you set your mind on the things of God, you live according to God. Listen to me. What I'm telling you has nothing to do with age, both young and old. Everybody who is a human being is under temptation by the devil. But we have to make sure, once you say you are born again, you have to behave like Jesus. Philippians tells you that. Let your behavior change. Let the way you reason change. You cannot say you are following Jesus and you are following the world. You cannot say you are following Jesus and there is no change in your life. You have been reckless before now. You say you are born again. You are even more reckless. That is no salvation. The past 24 hours, I received them some, some information to my... To, what is it? People who God gave prophecies about this year. People who God gave prophecies... 1975-73, about what will happen in America. I haven't read the prophecies before because I told you what God showed me about 2000 to this year and all that is happening. And these guys now began to record when they announced in the Supreme Court of America that, you know, we are going for this homosexual stuff and that this decision hit the world by like a thunderbolt. In that very month, thunder began to strike and lightning terrible in the whole of America. Tragedies increased so mightily. And they began to put the date and occurrence, the date and occurrence. After the pronunciation, 
The nation that decides to come against God, God opens the book of punishment over them. Same thing with God's people. If you reject him, he will reject you. That's why he is a good God. With God, there is no half-half. It's either you serve him or you get out of him. If you serve him, serve him. If you don't serve him, forget it. He will allow Satan to, to, to drown with your mouth and, you know. But if you serve him, he will possess you with the Holy Spirit. Angels will be available to you. And you never regret. You never regret. Josiah was eight when he became king. All right? Uzziah was 16 when he became king. Look at Second Chronicles 20, 26, I suppose. Verse 4. Uzziah. It says, look, go, go to verse 1. Let me read verse 1 very quickly. Verse 1 down. Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and what? Come on now, and what? In place of? Now what's the next verse? It says he was the one who built, who rebuilt Elath and restored it to Judah after Amaziah rested with his fathers. Now the next verse, very quickly. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. His mother's name was Jekuliah. She was from Jerusalem. Then the next verse, I love verse 4. Shall we read it together? That is interesting. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father did. Just like David told Solomon, do what is right before God as I did. But let's read further. The next verse. No, we're not all reading. What did he do? Mm-hmm. You know, you must have a Zechariah over you for destiny to be fulfilled. There was a Samuel over Saul and David for Saul and David to reign. Listen to me. There was a Zechariah. Zechariah teaches you what? I told people before, I told a lot of you, and people watching me on television, if you go to a church where they are just telling you 10 principles, 10 steps, and 40 steps, get out from those places. You need to be taught about Jesus Christ. A church, they don't teach you about Jesus Christ. For Jesus Christ, don't have any steps. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy might, and with all thy soul. Where they just teach you about things that appeal to your flesh, get out from among them. A leader who is spiritual must have encounters of the God who is spiritual. This is the word of the Lord. He sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. Where you are not instructed in the fear of God, you are wasting your life and eternity. Eternity is more important than this physical life. You live forever and never and never and never and never die again when you die. If you miss heaven, it is torture and torture and torture and torture. It's hellfire. Hellfire is real and it's terrible. God did not create it for man. He created it for the devil and his... And his angels. But when a man decides not to follow Jesus, he ends up there. He ends up there. 
this young boy of 16, you know, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, okay, because he was under Zechariah who instructed him in the fear of God. And that next verse slices, as long, no, 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 go back to that for five. As long as he sought the Lord, what happened? I can't hear you. I cannot hear you. Did you see that? As long as you seek God, God will give you success. As long as he sought God as his father Zechariah taught him. Listen to me. Every one of you, listen to what I teach you. There is success in it. There is no failure in it. There is no regret in it. If you pass through me on earth and you do what I say, you will never leave your earthly realm in regrets. You will catch up with all your years you have lost. Because God will restore the moment you come back to track. God will look back and pay you arrears. But you must be on the track of holiness. Listen to me, brethren. God wants to bless you mightily. But the path is righteousness. But look at verse 16. After this man, God blessed. And he grew older. Let's read verse 16 together. Stop. Not all of us are reading. If you want me to leave this pulpit on time, read. <laughs> I promise you now I won't go beyond my time. Yes, read it together. I'm almost finished. What letter is down for? What letter is down for? What letter is down for? And what letter pride? Power. You need to read about this guy. Nobody can confront him. He fought anybody from the age of 16. He led the army of the nation to battle and he won. At the age of 16. Because God tells him what to do. God tells him what to do. And he became so powerful and so mighty. And when he became so mighty, his pride, pride enter, pride enter, pride enter, pride enter. Remember, uh, David said to, 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 to Solomon, if you reject him, he will reject you. Okay? And pride entered. Look, let's read together. Let me close my Bible so that I will not have to. Because when I say you should read, if you want me to finish on time, you read so loud. Hallelujah. Let's read together now. Uh-huh. 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 You heard what I told you before. You cannot do what your senior was appointed to do. Hierarchy. Unless you are instructed to do so. He, the same thing that Saul did. He does not know king is different from prophets. When we ordain people pastors, the oil we pour upon their head is not water. You are rude to them, God punish you. That's how God works. 
if I ordain this young girl as a pastor, his father must call, her father must call her pastor. When I tell her, bless the people, what she says over her father will happen. Because she carries the anointing. Okay? As young as she is. If anybody despises her, God will deal with that person. God will deal with that person. See, the reason why misfortune strikes many Christians unnecessarily is because many Christians don't understand the principle. You cannot go to church and don't understand what God is. He went and he decided to burn incense. It's not the role of the king, it's the role of the prophet. Look at what happened next. Let's read it together. Yeah? And then... So anybody who is unfaithful can perform a skill, but God does not honor it. You may sing like angel. <laughs> you may play instrument that you are more than CV wonders. You are all CV wonderful. <laughs> you pass CV wonder to CV wonderful. God doesn't look at that. You can preach, and the dead body will rise up and say that good preach, and then die again. It doesn't matter to God. Yeah, you can, you can, you can skill demonstrate. It doesn't matter to God because you haven't pleased God. What He calls you to do is what you must do, and you must use that to serve. So what happened to him? Verse nineteen. Uzziah. Uh huh. Stop. He was corrected by his priest who ordained him and he was angry. A pastor gave you instruction and you just walk away. Eh? God's anointed called you and gave you an instruction. Listen to me. What happened was the next thing that happened you won't like it to this man. And it is so till today. And I will tell you how that happened to him. He was angry. Why he was raging at the priest, the pastor. In their presence before the incense altar in the Lord's temple, in the church. Listen to me. What happened to him? Read it loud. Say it again. Say it again. Be careful of leprosy. When we ordain somebody and we place hands on them, don't mess about with them. Don't mess about with them. Your destiny is in their lips. You do something that impresses them and the Holy Spirit will Provoke them to speak a blessing. And that's the solution to what you have been struggling over. Okay? You know here I'm not saying general overseer. I say pastor. Because if I say general overseer, I say only apostle. No. 
anybody we ordain pastor. The day I was ordained pastor, I went to preach in my church. When I finished preaching, we got home to my house, my mother's house now, not my own. The moment we entered the house with all my brothers, you know, my mother knelt down and said, my son, lay hands on me. He said, from today you have become my father. Because she recognized that anointing carries power, virtue for those who respect it. It carries judgment for those who disrespect it. Among you will be ordaining ministers. Because at least when you are manifesting here, I can know those who are called. Don't you too, leaders? All the church leaders, did you know, among you, did you know six people who are ministering, you know those who are called among them? Yeah. Because when those who are called come in, their communication is clear. No beating about the bush. When you were asking questions, I told them to answer you, and they gave you scriptures, 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 applicable to your question. Aha, uh-huh, I say yes. Calling is not by somebody having a dream. It is by somebody manifesting the word. Hallelujah, somebody. But when we put oil upon their head, you must respect them. This man became leprous. The last two scriptures, you will, I will just read this through. I won't explain it to you because it's self-explanatory. I've been talking about your mindset. Okay? Second thing is association. Be careful of your association. First John 2, 15 to 17. We'll read it together. First John two fifteen to seventeen. Shall we read it together? Did you see that? Association with the world. You cannot say you love the world. You, go, you love to go to boogies and joints and all those things that the world do. And you say you are born again. You are joking. Satan will be laughing at you. The day he will slap you, God will not be able to help you because you have disobeyed God. What are you looking in the company? You know, very recently they showed us in the, in the television the news of some people were doing raving and then there was um, fire. They put just a light of fire in the bowl and one spark of fire and go boom, boom, boom and everybody caught fire. You remember that on the news? It was even on the news very recently in Hawaii. Okay? It was homosexual raving. Yes. After it was announced, they went in there and began to do their thanksgiving. And then one of them sparked fire. And it was God saying, I hate this. Because nobody can explain why a match can just engulf in fire and engulf in several places at the same time. No one can tell till today. Live in the world, but do not be of the world. Okay, the final thing is your first Peter. That is the way up, is the way down. First Peter chapter 4. And we're going to read together from verse, verse 1. That is the conclusion before I pray with you. Verse 1, shall we read it together? Therefore, mm-hmm. 
Stop. The same attitude we are ending with. Your body has to suffer for you to overcome sin. That is, you will deprive your body what your flesh wants, which is ungodly. You will decide not to lie, though your mouth wants to lie, because it's ungodly. God will punish every lie. The next verse very quickly. As a result... So as a result, he does not live the rest of his life for evil human desire, but rather for the will of God. The next verse. For you have spent. Uh-huh. Yes. You know, you have tested the world. You see that it's terrible. All right? Then the next verse. You see now, if you are a Christian and you don't do those things again anymore, he says the thing is strange that you do not plunge with them. They wonder, I mean, how, how you enjoy your life? But they are really destroying their lives. You are the one enjoying your life. They feel it strange that you are not messing about with them into the same flood of dissipation and they heap abuses on you. Who is the one speaking through them when they abuse you? Satan! Why should you be different from everybody? We hate you. They better hate you. They are coming back for you. In the future, you are the one who will lay hands on them, casting demons out of them they, because they will still come back. Is the devil that will be talking out of them just to attack you. When they do that, don't be angry with the person. Identify the spirit behind them and rebuke that spirit in your spirit. And they will shut up. So it's not strange when people are doing that to you. Look at the Bible says so. The next verse. Shall we read it together? But they will. Did you see? They will give account. Look at the next verse. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. The next one. Yes. Did you see that? Be clear-minded and self-control so that God can hear you. The next verse. Above all, uh huh. The next one. Did you see that? The next one. Did you see that? Any gifts you have, look for someone to serve. If you want more gifts from God, it is how much you can serve that God will give you. The next one. That's the last one. Power. 
shall rise up together. I want to speak blessing over you. For those of you who are here, the blood of Jesus Christ on your behalf for mercy from God. Jesus, while he was going, he said, Father, all that you have given me, no one could take them away from me. And I said, for these ones, protect them from the hands of the wicked one. You know, we have been looking at destiny. How God designed a great destiny for each one of you. And we have been looking at how Satan tactically tries to derail you and I. Through all these things that come into our mind. And we have been looking at how we have to receive the devil in our mind. So that we can conform with God. And so that the will of God can happen to us. And we have looked at people who God raised so mightily because they surrendered to God. And when they disobeyed God and they, they denied Him, God kicked them out. And we have looked at others who surrendered to God and throughout their lives, they were glorified. I want to bow your heads and I want to pray with you. I want you to first pray for yourself, then I'll pray with you. If you know that you are living in a particular way of life that is ungodly, ask the Lord for mercy. He will have mercy on you immediately. If you have done something wrong and you do that kind of thing, you ask him, Lord, have mercy on me. Tell the Lord to deal with your mindset and deliver you from evil thoughts and evil attitude. Tell the Lord, help me my attitude. Change me the way I think. Change me the way I behave. Let me think like Jesus. Let me behave like Jesus. Tell the Lord, protect my heart so that I will not fall into the trap of Satan. When I read that proverb to you, it told you about how the, the man was led by the adulterous woman and fell into the, the news. Protect me, Jesus. Help me in my thinking. Help me in my reasoning. God had the best for you. Satan had the worst for you. He doesn't want you and I to enjoy God's best. And it's only sin that alienates man from God. Tell the Lord, deliver my soul from the power of sin. Guide me by the Holy Spirit of God. Tell the Lord, protect me from the hands of the wicked one. Let us pray for one another that God will help you that you will not fall into adultery or to fornication. If you have not married and you have sexual intercourse with anybody, you have committed fornication and that is sexual immorality. And God says, flee from it. If you are married and you have sexual intercourse out of your marriage, that is adultery. A man that has sex with a man, the Bible calls it sodomy. Let us pray that God will break the power of the devil and the control of Satan over our minds and God will help us to submit to God in our thinking, in our actions so that our life will be worthy of God's praise. Tell the Lord, let my life be worthy of your praise. Let my life bring praise to your name. 
Pray that God will bring healing to every hurting heart. God will remove unforgiveness from our hearts. God will destroy pride from our spirits. Tell the Lord. Help me to be humble before you that I may be exalted. We give you praise. In Jesus' anointed name we pray. With your eyes still closed, is there anyone here who had not invited Jesus into his or her heart? If you have never prayed a sinner's prayer or asked Jesus, I surrender my life to you, come into my heart, and you want to do that for the first time, lift up your right hand up. Yes, you want to do that today for the first time. Lift up your hands. Okay, tomorrow, two days ago rather, I called for people who want to rededicate themselves and they met me yesterday. Tomorrow by 6.30, I want to meet that group again at the Hall of Mirror. If during this conference you recognize that you need to rededicate your life because you have gone astray from the Lord, and you have asked God to forgive you, you want to, you want to reconnect with God. you see me tomorrow at 6.30. Together with all those who saw me before, I have a little instruction for you, and God has given me some instruction to do with you in the meeting tomorrow night. All right? Let me bless you. My God and my King, it is written in the book of Isaiah 14, verse 24, the Lord Almighty has sworn, surely as I plan, it shall be, as I purpose, it will stand. I pray, Father, every emissary, unseen spirit of hell, sent by Satan to hinder any one of these people, I rebuke them in the name of Jesus. Lord, let in your, in your holy indignation lift up your right hand and break every seed of Satan. The Bible says in the book of Matthew 15, every tree that my heavenly father did not plant shall be pulled out from their roots. So, Lord, I command the root seed of Satan to be pulled out of every heart. People have made decisions today to be right with you. Holy Spirit, empower them. Father, if anybody is struggling with life, I speak in the name of the Lord. You receive angelic, angelic support from this very hour. The Holy Spirit of God guide you and lift you by this righteous right hand and bring you to the place of comfort in your destiny. You will prosper in God. You will succeed in life. So shall it be. In Jesus' holy and anointed name we are praying with thanksgiving. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. Put your hands together for the King of heaven. Let me say to you to, to, tomorrow... The end of the meeting, I'm taking it, is going to be power night.